How many of y'all need just a good jump start to the year? We're going to do this together. We're all in this together, all right? So we're going to just jump into this new series we have uh, as we kick off this year. I've entitled this series, But First, God. <laughs> but First, God. What you do first really does matter. What you put first really matters. This season where we're all making new resolutions, creating new habits for our lives, it's, it's important. It's good. And, and it's a new year for you. How many of y'all have already said this? New year, new me. How many of y'all said that already? Yeah? New year, new me, right? You probably said it with some sass too. I know how that goes. And so you're, you're making this, this is a new year. I'm telling you, the old is gone, the new has come. It's a new person right in front of you, right? And, and, and that's good. I'm, I'm all in for that. I'm, I say yes to your new habits and your new decisions. I'm, I'm all in, okay? Now, I want you to form better habits that will form a better person. But make sure that you also, as you form some new physical habits for your life, that you also form some new spiritual habits for your life. So often, we focus solely on our body. And I'm encouraging you to not only focus on your body, that is important, but also Focus on your soul, because that is important. The truth is, we talk about this in our freedom uh, small group, but the truth is this. Think about this. We are spiritual beings that just so happens to have a physical body. You are not physical beings with a spiritual soul. You are spiritual beings with a physical body. God created you that way. He, he looked at you, and he put a body to that. So we got to focus on what really matters, the spiritual side of us, this soul man, this soul person that's inside of us. How many of y'all got some soul? <laughs> a few of you, all right? And all the white people, hands down. Okay. We got none of that. All right. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. So I say it as we kick off this new year. As we're entering into January, this will be the best year of your life if this is the best year of your life spiritually. My goal as a pastor is to help you focus on that. I want to stir your faith. I want to stir the spiritual side of you and see the difference that it will make in the rest of your life. We say this a lot here, but I make an offer to you several times a year. It's a great time to make it here in January, the first service live here of the year. This is the offer I've been making since we started the church. And many people are taking me up on this offer, but here's the offer. Give us a year of your life. Give God a year of your life. We'll help facilitate you in this, but go all in spiritually. Do, do everything that you possibly can. Join a small group. Start to give. Start to serve. Go to the events. Go all in spiritually. And if you do, watch what God will do at the end of this year. If you do this, I promise you that this can quite possibly be the best year of your life. Why? Because you're learning to put God first. You're going all in on the things of God. And this is the offer to you. If you do this and you don't improve, your life does not get better. Here's the offer. I'll leave this church with you. Because this is what we want for you is that you can give yourself an entire year to go all in with God and you will see the results and if we didn't do our job in helping you progress in your life spiritually, then we shouldn't be doing this at all. So in this series, it's a great way to kick off this year right. This, just kicking it off, the spiritual side of you, kicking it off in the right way. 
to say to yourself, before I do anything else, I know there's so many things I gotta improve on in my life. There's so many things I need to focus on, but I'm gonna focus on the spiritual side of my life first. So we do this through two ways. First, we do it through 21 days of prayer and fasting, saying, God, I'm gonna put you first. I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn to starve out the things of the flesh, and I'm gonna give you more time and attention. Think about it from God's perspective. You're his sons, his daughters, you're his children, and you're saying, God, before I do anything else, I'm going to focus on you as my father. You are first in my life. What a great way to prioritize God. The second thing is this. Not only do we do prayer and fasting, but we also put him first in our personal time and devotion in the word of God. You see, through prayer, we talk to God, but through his word, he talks to us. We cannot neglect the word of God. I need you to hear me on this because this is important for you. There is nothing more vitally important to your spiritual growth than getting more of the word of God in your heart. There's nothing you can do. There's not a single thing you can do more to benefit your spiritual life than to read the word of God and to get it in your heart. So in this series, I want to take some time to prioritize our life, get our priorities in order, and help us to prioritize and elevate the word of God in our life. So you ready? Y'all ready to make this the best year of your life? Come on, church. If you are, say yes. I love this church. I love this. All right, here we go. Let's jump into the message. All right, here's the theme verse for the series. It's this, John 1.1. 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. Look at that again. In the beginning, what's in the beginning was the word. What's the word? It's with God and the word is also God. It's a very weird, very confusing verse. It's interesting here that God calls himself the word. In other words, the Bible, the word is God. And God is the word. What this tells me is that if you want to get to know God better, which I know so many people have that desire, well, how you do that is by getting to know the Word of God better. So many people, they want to, they want to know God, but they don't want to read the Bible. It's like saying, I want to get to know my wife, but I don't want to talk to her at all. <laughs> That'd be very bad. I do not, that is not my goal in life. <laughs> I think the problem with so many is that they, they, have, they have a problem with this, the word of God. There's, there's things they don't, they don't understand the word. And so because they don't understand the word or they have some problems with the word, they don't get to know God. Anyone ever struggle to understand the scriptures? Like, 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 just show of hands. Has it ever not made sense to you? Has there ever been a verse? Thank you. Okay. Yeah, my hand is raised. So-and-so begot so-and-so. You can have two tattoos. You can't cut your hair. You got to wear a hat. Like so many different things, right? Have you read the book of Leviticus, huh? The book of Numbers. Anybody? Yes. Okay. And you were confused the whole way through, right? There are some things in the word that are hard to understand. And even I, as your pastor, don't really understand a lot of them, Okay. But here's the thing, it doesn't have to make sense to you for you to understand or to benefit from the word of God. See, Jesus had a plan knowing that we all wouldn't fully understand the scriptures. Watch his plan. John 1, 14 says this, the word, the word who was there in the beginning, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became a person. The word is Jesus. Jesus came and dwelt among men and women to explain 
the word to people. Now we have a living example of the word to help us understand and comprehend this complicated word. See, Jesus explained things in a very fundamental, very easy way to understand. He also made some claims about the Bible that I want to talk about today. My goal, just to be transparent and open with you, my goal is that you would fall in more, more in love with the Word of God through this series. That's what I'm after. That's my goal. So you'd fall more in love with the Word of God, because here's what I know. As you fall more in love with the Word of God, you'll begin to understand the Word of God, and eventually you will desire to live out the Word of God. You'll fall in love with this. You'll want to read it. You'll comprehend it. You'll understand it. And then you just want to live it out. A few weeks ago, after service, a lady came up to me and said um, she hadn't been to church in many, many years. And as I began to talk to her, she said she, she doesn't even own a Bible, which blows my mind that anybody in America would not own a Bible. So I, I, I said, well, come on with me, girl. So we went over here to the bookstore. Now, it's funny because as a, as a staff team, we have, like, tons of, like, cheap, like, paperback Bibles, right? Like, you want a Bible? Like, I got some, I got some Bibles for you. you. You could take them. Like, they're, they're, they're free, right? But I'm, I met a girl who doesn't own a Bible. I didn't want to give her a cheap Bible. I said, come on with me. So we went over here to our, our bookstore, and, and uh, that my team knows if you want something free, church, come to me, okay? Like, I know we got prices, but if you come to me, I don't see the prices, and I just give it to you. And so I came over, and my wife, like, loves to do the bookstore stuff. And uh, you want a cutting board? Anybody want a cutting board? And I'm just like, <laughs> she loves to do this stuff. And so I said, babe, what's the most expensive Bible we have? So she pointed me to it. And so I grabbed this, the most expensive, nicest Bible we have. And I came to this lady, and I said, Here's, this is a gift from us. Here is your very own, very own Bible. And she lit up. Like, she was excited to have her own Bible. Like, just... Just remember what that was like for you, to, to get your own Bible. Like, have you ever had that feeling, that excitement? Because this, this lady, I mean, middle-aged lady, never had, I don't know if she's owned a Bible ever. She, hadn't, she didn't have one, and she lit up when she got a Bible. I could see just the desire that she had to read the Word of God. Amen to that. Amen to that. And on time. All right. This is what I want for you. I want you to love the Word of God. So I want, I want to look at some claims that Jesus made uh, about the Word of God. John 6, 63 says this, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and they're full of life. Now I want to look at this word spirit for a second. It's a funny word that the translators used here because it's the wrong word. It's, it's not the most accurate word here. The Greek word for spirit is the word pneuma. And we don't really have a word for this in the English dictionary, but what it means is this. Pneuma is words that are spoken that have power attached to it. Words that are spoken that have power. The closest English word we have for this is the word breath. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's, there's something going out, but there's power with it. We all know words can hurt you, right? There's power with that. So, so when you look at this, it's not, just, it's not just the breath of God, the pneuma. It's not just the breath of God. It's the breath of God for the fulfillment of what he just said. You see, I'm messing up some theology here. You know there's some things that God can't do? 
God, here's one thing. I'm going to give you two today. Here's one thing. God cannot speak something and not fulfill and create something at the same time. It's impossible for God to speak and not create. Think about it. When he created the heavens and the earth, he spoke and said, let there be light, and light was there. He didn't say, that's a good idea. We should get some light switches. Let's call an electrician. Like, let's figure this thing out. He says, light. Well, I, I love this concept of God because if you're struggling today and you say, God, would you give me some peace? He says, peace. And peace is created within you. He doesn't just say, oh, that'd be awesome. I really hope you'd have some peace. That'd be great. Let me pray about it. I mean, let, he's the one who creates. So he says, peace, and peace is created in you. So God can't create when he speaks. You see, he doesn't just speak words. It's impossible for him. When he speaks, the words that come out of his mouth, they come with power to fulfill that which he just spoke. This is why the Bible is alive and active. It's, it's, it's at work. It's doing something. It's, it's alive. Think about that. The Bible is alive. It's alive. That's why the book of Hebrews says this. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active. It's not only is it, is it have power and it's alive, but it's doing something. It's, it's creating. It's fulfilling. It's convicting. It's doing something in your life. You see, the Bible's not just this historical book. It's, it's a book that's alive and it's currently at work. And then the next verse says this. That book, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's a weapon. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is what the Word of God does. It's the only book. It's the only book out there that deals in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, at the same time with the same amount of weight, the same amount of power, and the same amount of authority in both realms. All we see is the physical. But there also is a spiritual realm going on right now simultaneously with us right now. It's here. It's where the angels and the demons dwell. And there is a spiritual realm that is taking place right now, and the Word of God is the only book that can penetrate into the spiritual and to the physical at the same time. So my goal in this series is to help you get to this place where you're excited. You see the power. You see that these are God's words on a page that carry weight. That you no longer see this book. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you see this book as a boring book, mundane, boring. It's just something you have to read as if you're being punished. <laughs> Congratulations, you're a Christian. Now get to reading. <laughs> you know, like go to your room and read your Bible. This is not a punishment, but that you would see that this book is created by God. It's his words on a page and, and, and see that the reason it's here to help fulfill and speak, speak life into your life. Amen again. This is amazing. That baby shouts more than y'all do and I love it. So I want to give you some theology and I'm going to give you some practical things and I hope I can help you today with the word of God. So here's the message uh, title for today. First things first. We're going to focus on the first things first. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this day. Would you speak to our hearts on the word of God in Jesus' name, amen. I pray fast. Here we go. Three things, some theology for you, three things that need to take place. First, faith needs to bring the word, okay? Faith brings the word. Talking about the word, faith needs to bring the word. If you want the word in your life and you want the word of God and the, these words on the page to be ignited in your life, it's gonna require some faith on your part. Faith, faith, 
is what brings this book alive. Faith. If this is a boring, dead, not interesting book, it's because you have no faith. Faith is what brings this book alive. You see, faith is the supernatural belief in God that activates God's word in your life and makes it real. Let me show you why you don't just want to read the Bible. Hebrews 4.2 says this, For we also have had good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them. No value. The message of the word had no value. Why? Because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So, so without faith, there's no value to the word. When you read the word just to read it, it has no value for you. But when you mix that reading of the word in with some faith, something supernatural is activated in your life and now carries value. You see, faith takes the natural and turns it into the supernatural. Faith takes the natural and turns it into the supernatural. I don't know about you, but I want the supernatural for my life because everyone else who's got the natural, that's boring. (laughs) Been there, done that. I want the supernatural. I want to see God move in a powerful way. What's going to require that is some faith, which is why some of you are saying, that's my problem, Pastor. I struggle to have faith. Well, let me help you. Let's back this thing up. If faith brings the word, what brings faith? Here's point number two, revelation brings faith. In other words, if you want your faith to come alive to where you're actually believing what you're reading, then a revelation needs to take place. I mean, for some of you who've been reading the word of God for a long time, this has happened for you. And you'll, you'll resonate with this. You may have read a certain passage 10 times And that passage, every time you read, you just read right over it. It meant absolutely nothing to you. But then something happens in your life. You open your Bible. You go to that same exact passage, and you go, I've never seen that passage before. Where has that passage been? You have this aha moment. It made all the sense in the world because it was exactly what you needed at that very moment. What happened? What what happened that, that the 10 times prior, it meant absolutely nothing, And then this on the 11th time, it somehow changed your life. What happened? There was a revelation that took place. You see, the original language of the New Testament is written in Greek. And there are two words for the word word in Greek, all right? Greek is such an awesome language. I took it in in Bible school uh, because it's such a diverse language. We only have one word for word. They got two. They beat us here. here. Here are the two words. It's logos and rhema. They all have different meanings. Logos is the written or spoken word. The written or spoken word is logos. And for many people, this is all they ever experience is the written or spoken word. This is what you're experiencing right now is a spoken word. I'm speaking to you. I am speaking the logos word. I'm reading the word of God to you. I'm speaking what I hear God saying. This is the, you are experiencing the logos word. And many people... That's all they ever experience. And it's funny because sometimes after church, actually probably almost every single message, I'll have somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, that was one of, if not the best message I've ever heard. So I think it's funny because, I I mean, like, I I really don't, I doubt it, you know. I doubt it, but to them it was. So so I think about that, like, you know, I don't know, 350 people will be here today. And, and 350 people walk away, and one person will say, Pastor, that was one of the best messages I've ever heard. Well, what, what happened? Why is it different for you 
and not for everyone else. Because this person walks away going, that was one of the best messages, and everyone else is like, that message was terrible, you know? Like, they need to fire that guy and get someone who knows how to preach. It's like, well, like what? Like, or like, you know, like, eh, last week's was good, this week's wasn't. Like, what, what, what's happening that this one person has this moment of going, man, it makes so much sense. That was incredible. It changed my life. I'm going to change. I'm a better person now. I'm, this altered my life. What, what's the difference? Because everyone had the same experience. Everyone experienced the same words, but one person was changed for it. Why? Here's the second word for word in the Greek, and this is what they had was the rhema word. Rhema is the revealed word. While everyone experiences the logos, spoken or written word, this one person experiences the rhema word. There was a word that was revealed to them. This was that aha moment. Scripture all of a sudden makes so much sense to this person, and now it comes alive to them. See, when people say this is the best message, what they're saying is God revealed something to me today. I I pray that you have a rhema experience every week. That's, that's what I pray for. I really do. I pray that God would speak to you, that God would reveal himself to you. He would allow the scriptures to come alive for you. Let me show you a place in scripture where this happened in the Bible that might give you a better example. Many people know the story simply because we just went through it. This is the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus and the story of Mary. You see, an angel appeared to the mother of Jesus, Mary, and told her that she would be pregnant with the Savior of the world. And this, this is a pretty big deal. And this is how she responds, Luke 1, 34 through 38. She says this, how? <laughs> how will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I'm a virgin? At this point, this was simply a logos word, a word that she heard that was spoken to her, but it was not revealed how yet. It did not hit her yet. She reacted like many of us do. When we read the word or we hear the word, we begin to question that word and make excuses as to, as to why that word will not apply to us. Have you ever done this before? You read a word or someone gives you a word and you go, nah, it's not for me. That can't be for me. And you begin to make excuses. Well, that was back then in the Bible times. I mean, think times are different with the, when they're walking with Jesus, you know. It must have been way different for them than it is for me. Only if my circumstances were different, then maybe God would do that. Well, you don't really know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the kind of person that I am. So God speaks something to us, and then we begin to make the excuses as to why God wouldn't fulfill that thing. That's because we hear the Logos word. Verse 35 continues, then the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It was in this moment that the rhema word came. The revealed word came to Mary. And this is where everything changed for her. Then the angel even affirmed it in the next verse. Check this out. For no word, the next verse, verse 37, for no word, which is the rhema word. It's coming here, I promise you. No word, that word right there is rhema. So, so look at this. Let me, let me say it a different way. For no revealed word from God will ever fail. When God reveals something to you, it will never fail. Tony Church, if God spoke something into you, he gave you a dream in your heart, he spoke something to your heart, he will see it to completion. 
No matter how long, no matter the excuses, no matter the problems you encounter, God will see it to completion. He didn't bring you this far to see you fail now. Hold on to your word. Hold on to your word. Because if it's been revealed to you, God will not fail. He's making a promise to you, church. Some of you need to hear that today. He's not going to fail you. So here's Mary's response to the revealed word. Finally, it's revealed to her. Here's the response. Remember, remember the logos word only brought excuses. Well, here's the rhema word. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. It was in that moment that she revealed the rhema word. And I believe it was in that very verse she became pregnant. So, so God wanted to do something to her, said he's going to do it, but she did not become pregnant during the Logos word. She had to have the revealed word before she became pregnant. God wants to do something in your life. He's gonna, he might even say and declare through a prophetic word, through the scriptures, through just him speaking to you, he's going to do something. And you're hearing it, but it doesn't happen until it's revealed to you. So, I just think about it this way. Could it be that God has some amazing things planned for you and your life? He wants to see these things take place. He spoke them into you on purpose, but first you need to have a revelation. In order for those things to take place in your life, you've got to have a revelation. So faith's going to bring the word. Revelation brings faith. Well, here's the third thing. Meditation brings revelation. We just need to just take some time to think about what God is speaking. I have to be honest and tell you that I've read many scriptures over my lifetime, and many of them meant nothing to me when I read them. But at the same time, it was when I needed those scriptures most in my life, and I turned to God's word for direction, I found one of those scriptures, and it helped me get through what I was going through. It was when I received the revelation that I got the help that I needed. But it required some mulling over and some meditation, some thinking on some scriptures. Sometimes the scripture doesn't make sense in your current life situation until you begin to process it in a different life situation. Then out of nowhere, that scripture begins to make so much sense and you think that that scripture was written for you. This is why the first part of your day should be spent in devotion and meditation to God. God, I'm going to give you the first of my day. I'm just going to meditate on you. I'm going to meditate on your scriptures. But meditate what you're doing in my life. And if you do that, you give God the first part of your day, I promise you, your life will change. I encourage you to take these sermons even, every single week, Sunday morning sermons. Spend some time processing them. You can watch them back. You can listen to them back. Whatever helps you. Take notes. We have note cards every single week there in the pocket, seat back pocket in front of you. You can just go back and meditate on this. Chew on it a little bit. Process it. Here's what the book of Joshua says. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. That you may be careful to do everything written in it. How do you do what the scriptures say to do? You meditate on it. This word meditate comes from this Greek word that means ruminate. And, and often it, ruminate, a, an example of this is a cow chewing its cud. Extremely disgusting analogy, but I'm going there, okay? Have you ever seen a cow in the middle of a field? What's he doing? Just chewing. He's just chewing, just chewing, just chewing. And you're like, there's, like, like he's not, he hadn't eaten in hours. What they do is they wake up, they eat, they swallow it into one of their stomachs. This is the gross part. And when they're hungry again, they regurgitate it back up into their mouth and they chew it all over again. 
Yeah. Have you ever had a burp? I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't go there. But a cow, if you look at him in a, in a pasture, he's more than likely just chewing. He's ruminating. He ate something in the morning, and he's chewing on it later in the afternoon. I just a disgusting example, but this is how we should be treating the Word of God. Read it in the morning and chew on it all day. I, I don't think the, the goal should be to read, you know, 18 chapters a day. Like that, that unless you're like a genius, like I, I, there's no way I could read any of that and retain any of it, right? But if you focus on one passage and just ruminate it on it all day, I promise you that passage will begin to make some sense and reveal something to you. And if you do that, if you ruminate on the scriptures, here's what's going to happen. The verse continues, then you'll be prosperous and successful. This is what I want for you for 2023, to be prosperous and successful. How do you do that? By building your life on the word of God. We have to put the word of God first in our life. So I want to read to you just the theme verse for this message right here. And I'm I'm just, then we're going to get practical, okay? But, But let me just help you with this one. Matthew 7, 24, the message says this, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. However, improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit. They need to move because that's terrible weather conditions. But nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. See, the Bible is alive. And those who choose to build their life on the Bible and its truths, when the storms of life come, it won't affect you. Yes, you'll feel the storms, but the storms will not move you. Let me give you an example of this. When a physical storm comes over your house, you hear the rain. You see the rain. If you stick your hand out the window, you'll feel the rain. But because you had a good builder, you made some preparations, you had a solid foundation, they built a solid house. When the rains and the storms came, it did not move your house. I hate to tell you this, but storms of life, they're coming. They're coming. If they haven't hit you already, you're going to get bucked off a horse. Like, it's going to happen, okay? (laughs) The storms of life are coming. And if if I could stop the storms of life from coming, I would. But I I can't. But all I can do is help point you to the source that will help you through the storms of life. It's the word of God. So let's get practical. I want to give you three points. And I got to be honest, I have some sub points. I haven't preached in a couple weeks, so I'm excited, all right? (laughs) I missed it. All right, so here's the first thing. So just to get practical, we got to accept the Bible's authority. We have to accept it. This is a big one. I think this is all about your attitude towards the Bible. How are you going to view the Word of God? Is the Bible just an old book written by some random people? It's a good book, some good ideas, and it talks about a good man. Or is the Word of God inherent and fallible? It's perfect. No errors. I know for so many, they have so many questions, and they feel like the questions that they have about the Bible prevent them from believing fully in the Bible. They, they have to fully understand the Bible before they can believe it or even accept it. I just got to be honest with you and tell you that this is a tool from the enemy to keep you from believing 
and listening to the word of God. Because you fully don't understand it, you, you, don't, you don't fully comprehend it, well, you don't have to fully understand the Bible to accept it. I don't fully understand how a plane works, but I still get on one. I don't, I, it's a mystery to me how the, what is the cloud? Like, I still, we do not understand what is the cloud, Jason Bender. Tell us what the cloud is. Someone's computer. See, I, we don't understand. Like, no one understands the cloud, yet we all use the cloud. And you don't even know how you're using the cloud, but you're using the cloud. We don't understand it, but we use it. There are things in life that you participate in, that you accept even when you don't fully understand. Why is the Word of God any different? Well, let me free you up a little bit. There are some things in the Word of God that you will not understand. Why? Because you're not God. Maybe you're just not supposed to understand that yet. Here's a scripture. I wish I had the reference, but it just came to me. It says that sin's not sin until it's revealed to you. Maybe you're not supposed to know a scripture yet. There'll come a moment where, where you are, you will know, and something will be revealed to you, but maybe God's protecting you. There, there's some things that you should not understand yet. This is the growth journey that we're all on, that, that over time, there are certain scriptures that will begin to make more sense and it will take some time for us to understand the scriptures and a time for them to be revealed to us. That's okay. But you must reside inside of yourself that even if you encounter something in the scriptures that don't make sense to you, you still choose to place the authority of God as the authority of your life. It, it, it doesn't, even if it doesn't make sense to you, God, I don't really understand that one. God, that one sounds a little bit weird. That one sounds a little cultish. But God, I'm still deciding that this is the ultimate authority for my life. You have to reside that inside of yourself. We think, I think the problem is we just, with our generation, we make up rules as we go. We, we think we get to establish what truth is because we don't understand truth or we just want to change truth. That's the problem with our generation and our culture. But here's the problem with our culture. Culture changes. The Word of God never does. The Word of God was there in the beginning, and it says it'll be there at the end. The, the, the grass fades away, but the Word of God stands forever. So, so what we've done as a society is we've, we've placed our own truth and our own beliefs on what culture deems to be true than on what God says to be true. Let me show you why this is important. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, and we also, thank God, continue, because when you receive the word of God, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe, received. Well, the Greek word for this one right here means this, to receive as a stranger. That you receive the word of God, even as a stranger. You didn't know it fully, you didn't know its intentions, you didn't know where they came from, you received the word of God as a stranger, and as you did, you accepted it, and then it's God working through that in your life. You may not know it yet, but receive it, just as you would receive a stranger, and watch the difference it'll make in your life. We believe here, that, at Zeo, that the word of God is the supreme authority for life. It is the absolute truth it is what we stand upon. 
If you want to know our stance on a cultural issue, you're going to get a biblical answer. We don't allow our feelings or our own thoughts or opinions to guide us. We allow the truth of God's word to guide us because we declare that the word of God has the final say. I would encourage you to have the same rule and same resolution for yourself and for your family. I would have discussions with your family because culture, especially you have teenage kids, culture is trying to steal, kill, and destroy your kids. I think it's important to have a discussion. What does our family say about cultural issues? What does our family say about homosexuality? What does our family say about marriage? What does our family say about abortion? What does our family say to make some some decrees, some declarations that this family, we're going to stand on the word of God. If the word of God says it, we're going to believe it. But if it doesn't say it, I don't want any part of it. So let's get controversial for a second, just because I know you like that. We are for marriage between a man and a woman. Not because I think it's a great idea, which I do. (laughs) But because the Bible says a man will leave his father and mother, he'll cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. There's no, there's no gray area in that. That's pretty black and white. So, so to someone who, who would say, would argue that, I would say, show me a scripture that says homosexuality is okay. Because if it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to believe in it. And you got to show me some scriptures that will trump a man and a woman. Because there's a lot of those in there. We're for the sanctity of life and believe that life begins at conception. Why? Not because we're trying to be political. We want to offend a few people, which I'm always down for. But here's the deal. (laughs) Because the Bible said that you were a thought before you came to be. The Bible says that he created your purpose for your life before he even created you. Meaning you began in God's eyes before you were even a thing between your parents. That's how far back you go. So we stand for life. I can go on and on. The point is, if it's in the Bible, we believe it. All right. So we're going to accept the Bible's authorities. I, I, think we, I, think, I think this. we make these things political and about our culture. I think these are spiritual issues. So we get to talk about them in the church because this is a spiritual place. All right. We're going to accept the Bible's authority. Here's the second thing we need to do. This is where I'm going to confuse you because I'm going to go on a few subpoints on this one, all right? We're going to assimilate the Bible's truths. I love the word assimilate. I'm an administrator. I love administration. Assimilate. It means to work it into every area, okay? So we need to work the Bible into every area of our life, not just the Sunday morning area. I'm talking about every area in our life because what we want to do is we say, God, you can have Sunday mornings, but that's it. But here's the reality. If God is not first in every area of your life, he's not first at all in your life. I told you before, something that God cannot do. Here's another thing that God cannot do. God cannot be second. Think about that. He he can't take second place in your life. It's impossible for him to be second because he's best. So if he's not best in your life, he won't take second place. If he's not first, he's not God at all in your life. So we got to assimilate him as first place in every area of our life. Let me give you a few ways here I'm going to confuse you to assimilate this into every area of your life. Here's the first thing. Some practical stuff. Listen to God's word. Don't just read God's word, but put yourself in a position to hear it. 
just like you're doing here today. I mean, you're, you're coming to church. You're positioning yourself to hear the word of God. Pick up a, if you like, pick up a podcast. I mean, read the Bible. Just put your place, put yourself in a place to hear the word of God. Next Sunday is a priority. Again, you're here. You guys have 100% attendance on the year. Congratulations. This is just, just incredible. It blows me away. That's, that's a pretty big deal, you guys. You should, like, I don't know, tell your grandma. You know, it blows me away. Thanks, babe. I know you think I'm funny. <laughs> it blows me away to see people who do not prioritize Sunday mornings. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that culture has declared an all-out war on Sunday mornings. Like, it is no longer the Lord's day. And I, I, I just say, don't let culture win. Like, let's fight. Let's push back a little bit. I was coaching a soccer team, and they were playing on Sunday mornings. I said, well, me and my daughter will not be there on Sunday mornings, you know? I'm like, well, like, well, it's after church. I'm like, I still don't care. Like, it's just like, I'm just the principle at this point, you know? It's not going to do it. Like, we got we to gotta stand for our values. Prioritize Sunday mornings. Be in church. Put it on your calendar. Plan for it. There's so many benefits to us attending church. But let me give you the biggest. Romans 10, 17 says this. But then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Excited. <laughs> well, I was going to take my jacket off and I realized my mic's on there. The meds are kicking in. All right, here we go. Okay. Romans 10, 17. That really hurt, actually. Uh, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Could it be that God has something for you on Sunday mornings that you can't find somewhere else? But positioning yourself in a place to hear the word, you're receiving what God has for you. This isn't about church attendance. It's about building up your faith. I get it. You can listen online. And even when I was, when I was out and Pastor Dustin was here, I listened online. There's times you have to do it. But if you can, come to church. Position yourself in a place to listen to the word. Here's the second thing. This is obvious, but read the word. Read God's word. I would say this. Read it like you eat. This is a weird thing. Jesus compared the word of God to food. Matthew 4, 4 says this, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the mouth of God. Yes, food sustains your physical body, but the Bible sustains your spiritual body. So I'm sure right now you're meal prepping, you're meal planning, you got your, your containers, your tubbleware, you're like loading up on fruits and veggies and portioned meats, and this is going to be a great year. We're going to eat like rabbits. Like, it's going to be an incredible year, right? <laughs> like, you're meal prepping. You're meal planning. What have you done to meal prep for spiritual? Good. Let's make some plans here. Here's some plans you can make. Here's some tips. This is where I get confusing. Sub, sub point, sub point. Here we go. Get a paper Bible. Get a paper Bible. I thank God for technology, but there's something about touching feeling this, you know, smelling it. And I don't know, there's just something about a paper Bible. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that technology is bad at all, but I, I, want to, I do want to argue that for a second. These are my two, two favorite Bibles here. This is, this is my preaching Bible. Like this one just like, like, if I had to, I could totally hit somebody with this. Like it's just calf skin. It's incredible. I've had this for years. I've always preached with this Bible here. This is, the, this is my study Bible. It's all tattered up, tore up. It's got, it's got markings everywhere. But I, I love this because this has been with me for a long time as well. It's, it's, it's gone through a lot. And so I, there's something about, like I'll be through in, a, in a reading plan, and I'll get the, 
coordinates, and I'll go to my paper Bible, and I'll read my paper Bible and highlight it, mark it up, write in it. It's just something about the paper Bible. You know, there's studies that have been done that show that digital reading is not as successful as reading from a paperback. Like, you're able to digest and retain words on a page better than you are words on a screen. I don't know. If, I'm not a scientist. It's just, it's just some research. I, I had no idea about that, by the way. I just want you to have your own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I will give you the best we have. <laughs> just don't ask my wife. She'll make you pay for it. All right. Here's, here's the second thing. Again, the sub point. Here's some tips. Schedule some time. Schedule some time. Once you have your Bible, set an appointment to read it. So my, my Bible time, my devotional time is on my calendar. My, my family, my team, they know it's, it's on my calendar. Because here, here's, if it's important in your life, it makes it to your calendar. We, we live and die by our calendars. If, if, if you want to make that meeting, you put it on your calendar. If it's important to you, you put it on your calendar. Is your Bible time on your calendar? Because I would argue, if it's not on your calendar, it's not important to you. Put it on your calendar. Here's the next thing. Have a plan. Find a Bible reading plan. The YouVersion app has a lot of plans you can go through. we got some devotional curriculums over here. Uh, one thing I want to kind of encourage you to do this year is go through the one-year Bible. That's what I'm going to do this year. Uh, it's a great tool. It's got some Old Testament, some New Testament. Uh, it kind of breaks it up a little bit. It's a great reading tool to read all throughout the year. Uh, just a, a fun little thing you can do. Just find a plan and stick to it. That's the most important thing. And the final thing on this sub-point, sub-point, is don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. Don't just read it to read it, get through it. Like even like on the one-year Bible, don't, don't try to catch up. Like just open it up. What day are we on today? Let me read that. And I'm going to say, God, what do you want to say to me through this passage right now? I, don't, I just want to read it to rush through it. God, I know you want to say to me. I want, that, I want that rhema word. I want you to reveal something to me. Okay, so back to my first sub-point. I told you it's confusing. Listen to God's word. We're going to something God's word. And here's the third thing. Explore God's word. We're going to listen to God's word, we're going to read God's word, and now we're going to explore God's word, okay? In this series, I want to talk to you about how you can actually study the Bible for yourself. We're going to talk about some Bible study stuff, but one of the best ways I know to do is with other people. In in, uh, February, we launch groups, our groups ministry, encourage you to study the Bible with some some people, uh, and we'll help you with that. We'll give you some groups you can join in and do some Bible study, but when you do this, Something supernatural takes place. Psalms 119.11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you study the word, you prioritize it, you put it first, you meditate it, you put it on your lips, something happens, freedom comes, and sin goes. When I was writing this message, I just felt like there were few here that are probably not even looking forward to a new year. It's just new habits you're going to break. Your old addictions are going to come back up and haunt you. You just can't get free. Well, I just got to be honest and tell you, until something changes in your life, you're going to keep struggling with the same things. To not pick up new habits and expect your old habits to go away is insanity. Doing the same thing, expecting different results. Read, listen, explore the word of God. Get it on the inside of you and I promise you, sin will go. Sin will go. Okay, I close with this. We're going to accept the Bible's authority. We're going to assimilate the Bible's truths. And here's a third final thing. We're going to wrap this up with this. Apply the Bible's principles. The Bible's available to you every single day. You can apply its principles to every situation. 
Find a scripture and apply it to your life. James 1, 2, 2 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This, this is alive, it's active, it's ready to help you in your current situation and circumstances of life. So one, one principle that I've always followed and I encourage you to do this too. At the, end, at the beginning of every year, we, we find a word for our family. So we're going to live by a word. It's going to guide us all year long. Allie and I are talking about that right now. But, but another thing I'd encourage you to do is find a verse for every situation of your life. If it's a big deal in your life, find a verse and, a, and apply that verse to your life, to your circumstance. As, as we've been, as many of you know, we're in a building, we just wrapped up a building campaign at the end of the year and uh, beginning all of that, which I'm excited to update you guys here soon when I have some stuff to update you with. But um, when we were entering into the building season, the fundraising season, I didn't want to just say, okay, God, we're, we're maxed out. We got to find a new place. You know, that's a strategic, wise thing to do. I wanted to say, God, what, what, what do you want to say to me and to our church? Is this really what you want? I wanted a verse. I wanted a word from God that what we were doing is what we're supposed to be doing. So I got a cabin in the woods. I got away for a few days, and I just prayed. Said, "God, give me, give me some verses. I want to apply this to our situation." And He gave us, uh, as we entered into the building initiative, He gave us Psalm 102:1. I don't have it up here. I'm just going to read them to you. It says, "Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord." That was our our building initiative verse. That that we're building this for future generations that are not cre- yet created that they will praise the Lord. What a great verse! It just gave us excitement, gave us motivation for the building campaign. I said, God, would you speak to me about the build? He gave me a bunch of verses. I just want to read them to you. First Chronicles 4.10, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. He said, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Here's another one that I felt like is the key for me, and you're going to hear more about this one, but Isaiah 54, 2, enlarge the place of your tents, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. I take this stuff seriously. Psalm 2, 8, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possessions. Psalm, or Proverbs 16, 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Psalm 127, 1, unless the Lord builds it, those who build it labor in vain. I want the Lord to build this. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, you shall know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And here's the final one. I love this. Joshua 1.3. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. These are verses that I'm in the woods going, God, would you speak to? Are we doing the right thing? Would you encourage me through your word today? It's alive. It's active. Let it give me some life. Let it give me some motivation to take back to the church. I want the word of God to come alive in you as it has in me. I want this to guide your family, to guide your morals, to guide your decisions. I want you you to experience the transforming power of the Word of God. I want you to have a rhema, revealed Word experience. 
this can be the best year of your life and if it's the best year spiritually. First things first, church. First things first. Let's pray. So you've heard the Logos word. Lots of words. You've heard it. We've all heard it. So now this is where we're going to ask God to reveal it to us. God, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts right now? Would you speak to us? What do you want to reveal to us through your word right now? God, what are you saying to us through this message? Would you speak to us? Just let him him speak to you now in this moment. Father, would you reveal yourself more this week to us? May we just ruminate on this, meditate on this. Would you bring it back to our mind's attention? We could think about you. Now, we want the word of God to be on our lips so we don't sin against you. Father, we want more of you and less of us. We want more of you and less of our culture, less of the things that bring temporary satisfaction We want you, Father. We want you. That's our prayer this morning. And I want to close like I always do. If as we kick off this new year, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to come back to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer as we close here. Maybe He brought you here today just to do this very thing. Say, God, I'm coming back to you. I've missed you. I've missed the peace you bring that feeling God's getting hold of someone's attention today if that's you today for the first time or coming back to him I just want to lead you in a prayer you can pray and give your heart to God right where you're at just say Jesus today I give you my heart today I give you my life I'm coming to you would you change me from the inside out help me to help me to look more like you today today I'm giving you my life and I'll live for you for the rest of my life in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Can we clap and celebrate those who prayed that prayer? Amen.